2: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Thursday to you and yours. It's almost Friday. It's almost the weekend. We're actually uh, seven days away from Ball State coming to the state of Tennessee and shocking the world and beating the Tennessee volunteers. We're seven days to countdown. I don't know if you guys have seen some of the stuff I posted on Instagram about these dreams I've been having and how they're to me predicting, foreshadowing that Ball State's gonna do something amazing and get an SEC scalp. I've had these dreams about my playing days and us beating Alabama. We didn't beat Alabama in my playing days. We never played them. But I keep having these dreams about me being a player at Ball State and beating Alabama, and I think it's a prediction that we're gonna beat Tennessee. So anyway, it's a great week. I'm happy, I'm excited. We're just one week away uh, from the start of college football, because college football, and I know it starts on Saturday for some people, but college football really doesn't start until Ball State uh, kicks off a week from today on Thursday at in Knoxville. Uh, people are trolling me. Dave Reed, our producer here, uh, put a cup in my uh, office about beat Tennessee, or beat Ball State, Tennessee Cup beat Ball State. He's nervous. He's scared. I don't blame people for. It. I'm off on a tangent. A tangent I did not plan on going on. We have a fantastic show planned for you today. Steve Kim's going to be here. Royce White's going to be here. Shamika Michelle, and they're going to help me unpack uh, my conversation for today. And my conversation today is going to center around Kevin Durant, the NBA star, the Brooklyn Net who tried to force his way out of Brooklyn, now he's walked it back and doesn't is gonna stay in Brooklyn, so he and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and Steve Nash are all gonna get to play and coach together and try to win a championship together. It's a hot mess, and Kevin Durant's reputation is a hot mess right now. The other thing that's been on my mind is Nick Cannon, the actor, comedian, rapper, singer, movie, wh- whatever, Nick Cannon is, reality TV show person, I think. Uh, Anyway, Nick Cannon, I can't figure it out based on the internet. He either fathered his ninth or 10th baby is on the way, and there are reports that there are other, two or three other kids perhaps, and he could be up to a dozen uh, by the end of the year. And so I was combining and thinking about Kevin Durant, and what's going on with him and his reputation, and and why a guy with next generation talent, as much talent as anyone that's ever entered into the NBA, has done so much damage to his reputation. Uh, Kevin Durant, to me, one of the most likable NBA stars in recent years, I prefer him to LeBron James, but he has really, really damaged his reputation. Doesn't look like much of a competitor. Looks kind of wishy-washy and weak. Uh, and so I want to unpack how that connects to Nick Cannon. And Nick Cannon having nine or 10 kids and five or six baby mamas. And and. Anybody with a brain, anybody that follows me, knows where I'm going with this. In terms of this matriarchal culture uh, that we have ruling Black America, and it's, and the matriarchal culture that's trying to be imposed on the rest of American culture, it's in Black culture running wild and running rampant. This whole baby mama. Women are the leaders. Women are gods. They got some movie coming out called "The Woman King." Some kind of it's supposed to be based on true events. It's a joke. It's not based on any true events. It's just selling this whole deal that uh, black women are the leaders of uh, the black race and they're warriors and they fought off the front. It, it's all a joke. It's all. And I'm gonna get into that. That movie uh, debuts September 16th, I believe, or premieres September 16th. And we'll talk about that before the movie. But anyway, it's all about this matriarchal culture. And so uh, this morning, in just thinking about where we're at, Nick Cannon, Kevin Durant, how did we get here? Why are black men so seemingly emotional, soft, wishy-washy? Uh, weak, Uh, and these are all facts. I'm just sorry. These are all facts. What's happened? The emasculation of the black man has been incredible and devastating, and so thinking about that and thinking about how irresponsible Nick Cannon is and so many and this whole acceptance of baby mama culture, it made me think of the movie Baby Boy. Uh, this movie was released in early 2000, 2000, 2001, something like that. Uh, Tyrese Gibson, I think, was the star. Snoop Dogg was in the movie. John Singleton, the director who uh, made Boys in the Hood, uh, created this movie. This was, I think, he did Boys in the Hood first, then he did Poetic Justice, and then he did Baby Boy. This was the third of what he called a trilogy. And so, I went back and re-watched the movie this morning, and I was so fascinated by the opening of the movie and, and just how it went directly at this issue that we're not, you know, two decades later, we're not allowed to talk about it, but they were making movies about it in 2000. 20 some odd years ago, they were making popular movies and people were writing think pieces. I read a think piece published in 2001 from Leonard Pitts, the Florida uh, national columnist that's won a Pulitzer Prize, respected guy. What he wrote in 2000 about the movie Baby Boy, fascinating. But I, so I want to start here with, I think, the first 90 seconds or so of the movie Baby Boy when they go directly at the problem that is pervasive throughout our community.
3: That's a full grown black man in now, the there's womb. There's this psychiatrist, of, a lady named Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. She has a theory about the black man in America. She says that because of the system of racism, The black man in this country has been made to think of himself as a baby, a not yet fully formed being who has not realized his full potential. To support her claim, she offers the following First off, what does a black man call his woman? Mama. Secondly, What does a black man call his closest acquaintances?
1: His boys.
3: And finally, what does a black man call his place of residence? The crib.
2: So, this movie comes out 21, 22 years ago, and, and, and so we're looking at the generation of kids and young people. Uh, there were 10, 12-year-old, 13-year-old boys that watched this movie that were living during this time frame, depicted, and, and what this culture and this mindset. And again, I don't like the whole because of a system of racism, uh, black men think of themselves as babies or they never come out of this baby cocoon. And again, this whole thing, and this is what I loved about Leonard Pitts's column back in 2000. He completely rejected this notion that, oh, yeah, it's the white man's fault that the black man sees himself as a baby. Really? It's the white man's fault that the black man sees himself as a baby. How about it being the black man and the black woman's fault that the black man sees himself as a baby? How about his parents? How about they did that? How about this matriarchal culture that we have embraced and bought into and that the whole welfare system and the entire uh, system of governance creates? How about I'm going to tie this in, and I, I wasn't really planning to go here, but I'm, I'm going to tie this into the news event from yesterday about uh, the student debt uh, relief that Joe Biden uh, is offering up Americans. Our whole system. Over the last 60 years has been set up to reward irresponsible behavior. Oh. You took out a bunch of loans and can't pay them back. You, 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 you're in so much debt and you can't pay it back. Oh, we, we got some relief for you. We're not going to reward the people who work their way through college. We're not going to reward the people who paid off their student loan debts. We're not going to reward the parents who save money and made all kinds of sacrifices so their kids. Could go to college. We're going to reward those of you that took out a bunch of loans, can't repay them, and we're going to offer you a kickback of ten to twenty thousand dollars. That's America. We keep rewarding irresponsible behavior. Oh, you can't close your legs, you can't put, uh, make a man put a condom on, you can't take birth control pills. Oh. We got a government check that will replace the father. Oh, again, same thing. Can't make the man wear a condom, can't use contraceptives, can't keep your clothes, your legs closed. Oh, we got a, a Planned Parenthood clinic that'll snatch and crush that baby in the womb for you so that you don't have to deal uh, with your irresponsible behavior. Everything we're doing in America is about rewarding irresponsible behavior or reducing the effects of irresponsible behavior. We want you to be as irresponsible as possible. And so now in the uh, black community where these rewards are most acute for irresponsible behavior, we have young men like a Nick Cannon having kids, out of wedlock, like he's changing underwear, and we're all sitting around laughing about it. We're not, la- He. Sh- this guy should be a laughing stock and should be embarrassed to come out of his house. H- his reputation should be so damaged, and he should be unhirable in Hollywood and any place else. But then like when you dig deeper, into uh, like John Singleton, even, who's passed away. God rest his soul, RIP, rest in peace. But John Singleton, who made the movie Baby Boy. Seven kids, five baby mamas. Again, The people that are given opportunities from our biggest corporations, the biggest controllers of popular culture, reward the irresponsible. If you have all kinds of baggage from your irresponsible behavior, that's who our system of elites reward. They want more of that, and we're getting more of that, and we're getting more emasculated men raised by their mothers. It's, again, <laughs> rewatching Baby Boy, it's all in the movie. This, he's like 20 years old, his mama appears to be around 36 years old. He's got uh, Jody, the Tyrese Gibson's character, uh, has two different baby mamas at age 20, and he bounces between each of their houses. He lives at home with his mother. His mother has a just out of prison uh, boyfriend who she's moved into her house. And this whole the, the thing about Baby Boy is it has some sort of somewhat happy ending. Jody, the Tyrese Gibson character, moves in with his main girlfriend and, and seems to be uh, making a decent living. His mother settles in with Ving Rhames, her, her uh, live-in boyfriend, and his best friend turns to Jesus and gets his life together. It, it Baby boy has a happy ending. On a movie screen in real life it does not have a happy ending and that's how someone like Kevin Durant one of the most talented likable guys uh, in NBA history a good person I don't want anybody to sound like I'm denigrating Kevin Durant I think he's a good person but he's a mama's boy You see his mama at all the games. He's a part, he's been raised in this matriarchal culture. His dad's around, but his dad doesn't have near the influence, wasn't as instrumental in his life as best we can tell from all the reporting that we've seen over the course of his 10, 15 year NBA career. He's a mama's boy. And so at age 34, Kevin Durant uh, is sitting there in Brooklyn, wanted a new team, uh, has damaged his reputation, looks like a, a, a clout chaser, a title chaser, a ring chaser, someone that doesn't have the competitive fire to build his own team. He left Oklahoma City to go play for the Golden State Warriors after they beat him and he you know, joined, started this or started a super team and got two little cheap rings and, and now not satisfied. Uh, With what that did for his reputation. He goes to Brooklyn and he and Kyrie are going to set the world and he's going to prove he can lead a team to a championship. That hasn't gone well. And so this summer he asked out when when he asked out and no one's willing to give up what he's worth because he has so damaged his reputation and the perception of him that No one's willing to offer a blockbuster trade to Brooklyn, and so he now has to go back and settle for playing for the Brooklyn Nets. This is all mama's boy. Again, the difference between Michael Jordan and this era of NBA superstars, Kevin Durant, LeBron James had a great career. But even he, you could sit here and say, he he didn't reach his potential. And he's damaged his reputation, jumping from team to team, chasing titles, all his little woke BS. It's all because no daddy. They're all baby boys. They've all been raised in a matriarchal culture. And you can see it in these major superstars, from Kevin Durant to LeBron James to Nick Cannon, you can see the damage of this matriarchal baby mama culture, and no one wants to do anything about it. You got people from Black Lives Matter uh, sitting around saying, hey, we need to disrupt the nuclear family. And black people going for this BS. And corporate America supporting this BS. Disrupting the nuclear family. What they've done is drop a nuclear bomb on the nuclear family, and that that bomb landed in black urban communities all over America the last 60 years. And look at the damage it's done. And people wanna run around and act, oh, I can't see it. And, oh, no, it's, it's, it's white racism, and it doesn't matter whether you have a daddy in the home, or even if you don't have a daddy in the home, it's because the white man took him out of your home. That's all BS, we all, there was, far worse racism in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and black men were still in the home. Black men were still there for their kids. It's a joke. This whole baby boy generation of athletes and black men are weak and are failing, and there's only one solution, a return to the nuclear family structure. At some point, I, I, I get there like, are we too late? Is it even salvageable? Have we gone so far that someone like Nick Cannon can be this big of an idiot and still be held up as an icon and an influencer and a celebrity? This guy should, I'm t- he should be afraid to come out of his house because the laughter at him would be too loud and too hard but there's no consequences. And that's why he keeps knocking up women. And that's why women keep allowing him to knock him up because they think money is a replacement for a father. It is not. That's my fire. Uh, We'll start by talking the uh, sports angle of this as it relates to Kevin Durant, Uh, We'll roll out to uh, Los Angeles to bring in the Korean Cosell. uh, Steve Kim will later bring in Royce White and Shamika Michelle and talk about some of the cultural issues as it relates to this. Uh, Steve, uh, I want to start. What do you think of my contention that the problem with Durant's image and the problem with why his NBA career hasn't lived up to its full potential. And he's a great player, but I just don't think it's been maxed out and reached his full potential. And I think it's because he's a mama's boy.
0: I think there might be some validity to it. Because, look, overall, in any walk of life, and this transcends any race, culture, or country, fathers matter. And, and just his recent behavior... Um, to paraphrase his own words, you are no longer the real MVP. Uh, at the end of the day, I- I'm getting sick of all these NBA players making deals, getting into agreements that they engineer because the players have an awful lot of influence with their collective bargaining agreement and their, and their current commissioner, I was his name, Adam Silver, basically capitulating on almost every single demand. I mean, David Stern has to be rolling over in his grave Now, Durant wants to do his own version of student debt relief. Look, Kevin, you're the one who engineered this. You wanted to lead a team, you wanted to be the alpha. And you know, when people talk about his legacy, you know who really hurt his legacy? A guy by the name of Steph Curry. Because three years ago, when all of this was engineered, when he left the Golden State Warriors, everyone thought Steph Curry was going to get exposed, it's the decline. It's the end of the Roman Empire out there in the Bay Area. Well, they look to be just fine, while Kevin Durant, once again, a lot of turmoil. Now, some of it is not his fault, but there comes a point in time, and maybe this goes back to having a strong, central male figure in your life. Uh, I would expect a superstar athlete of his caliber to say, you know what? Not a great start, but you know what? We're going to work through this. I'm going to grit. I'm going to grind. And I'm going to make this a winning franchise. And I have a stated goal. I'm going to make this happen. I'm not going to jump ship. And it's time that the media, who coddles these athletes, start to really call out Kevin and say, Kevin, you made the deal. You make tens of millions of dollars. Sack up, be a tough guy and make it work. Okay, because think about this, Jason. And this is one of the reasons why uh, I believe most of America is against this student debt relief. They are stuck in positions that they created and they are not getting a bailout. They are stuck doing that. There are many employees that hate their jobs, don't like their employer, they don't even like their coworkers. It's a dead end. But guess what? They have no other choice but to go out there and to punch a clock and go to that office or factory five, six days a week. So it, so I look at Kevin Durant, and I don't see how, in any respect, there is any sympathy for his situation.
2: We don't have a culture of responsibility across America. That's not a black issue. That's not a white issue. That's an American issue. We don't have a culture any longer of responsibility. And those of us old enough that benefited when we did have a culture of responsibility— We have not passed that on to the next generation because, Steve, it goes deeper than that. Just think of how many parents and people who, and and again, we've turned this into this, everything's about happiness And, and are you happy and are you living out your best life? And there were many parents that stuck through marriages that they wanted out of, but they stuck with them because they thought it was best for the kids. And it actually was best for the kids. Is it best if there's violence, or you know, constant chaos in a home? No, that's not best. But there are many adults that stuck in their marriages even though it wasn't ideal, even though there was some young woman on the job that looked like a better option, or there was a man on the job, or someplace else that looked like a better option for the wife or whatever. People used to be like, I got these kids, I'm gonna stick this out, I'm gonna gut it out, it's not perfect, it's not ideal. But now, if anything's wrong in your life, you move on from it, you get a divorce. And that's what I look at, Kevin Durant has tried this Brooklyn Nets thing for one year and was like, man, let me get out of here. And that's a reflection of the environment and the culture and what we accept now across the board in our culture, you're not responsible. It's always someone else's fault. You got tricked into taking that student loan. You had no idea uh, that the interest rates would be that high. You had no idea that you would only land a job that would pay you $40,000 when you first got out of college. And I I have to be careful because I've been so blessed and I don't want to... uh, Come out, come from my little fantasy world that I've lived in. But one of the greatest feelings of accomplishments that I've had over the last 20 years, or 20, maybe 25 years, is like I have no debt. I, I pay, a, I keep my pr- credit card balances for 20 some odd years. I keep them at zero. I pay them off every month. That's why I really only carry an American Express. You got to pay it off at the end of the month. I've been that way for a solid 25 years. I know I've been blessed, I've, I made good money, I, 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 you know, but I, I, I haven't had a car payment in, it's been a long time, and I've had three cars uh, <laughs> uh, in that time. But I, I just, my homes, they're paid for. I, I take a lot of pride In that, in being responsible, and anything that I say I'm going to do, I do. We just don't have that kind of pride anymore. Kevin Durant signed a huge contract with the Brooklyn Nets, and and just like the rest of America, hey, this thing's not perfect, doesn't feel right. Let me get out of here. It's just weak, man.
0: Jason, I think in terms of the basketball culture, maybe high school sports in general, I see this a lot, though, that a lot of these young men, all of their hopes and tide are dreamed of at least getting to the next level and having their education paid for or getting some sort of Division One scholarship. And I'm amazed as someone that was a very mediocre athlete, I never thought about changing high schools because quite frankly, uh, I didn't have the opportunity. And number two, I didn't want to. But a lot of these young men and women, they literally go to two, three and four high schools before they even graduate so that's embedded in them that if i'm not getting enough playing time or the coach made me do wind sprints or the principal looked at me funny i'm getting out of here and then they go to a college and then they always have a plan well i'm going to be here i we one and done so already that nomadic mindset is placed in their mind and they think you know what I can just bail out at any time. The problem is once you get to the professional sports level, there's a thing called a contract. And in theory, they should be binding. And I think there actually needs to be a culture change across the NBA because it's not just Kevin Durant. When players start to chirp or start doing things like Ben Simmons, just say, excuse me, we are adults. We expect you to be an adult. We have a contract. We will enforce them. And if you try to breach them, Just sit out and let's let the legal process play out. In essence, these teams, I know some people are going to hate me saying this, they need to be the father. They need to be the adult. They need to be the responsible ones and lay down the law. Because think about what we're asking these guys to do, Jason. Live up to a contract that's paying you tens of millions. They're not digging ditches. They're not going into a a coal mine. They're playing a game. Um, And also, Jason, real quickly on my own story about why the student debt. Look, it is what it is. I'm not going to protest. I'm powerless to do it. When I quit Cal State L.A. around 91, it was because the tuition was getting a little too high where I couldn't afford it. And quite frankly, my heart was not in it. I ended up taking a factory jobs of different sorts. I ended up working two jobs along with my first radio internship. So I was literally putting in. 16 to 18-hour days. I would work an eight-hour shift at Aramark loading up magazines that weren't sold from 7-Elevens. And then I would drive. I'd actually work out because all of this doesn't come natural. i got to work out. Then I would actually take a short nap. And then for a couple of hours, I knew the owner of a hobby shop. Baseball cards is something I used to collect. He would let me earn a few bucks by working at a store making an extra bit of change. And then I'd have to drive and work the sports gods, Dave Smith, Joey Heim, who got me started in the business late at night all the way till about midnight because they did a a late afternoon show or late night show on KMAX 107.1, which would end at midnight. So I'd get home at 1245, and by 5.30 a.m., I had to wake up to be at work by 6.15. I did that for a summer. I did that for several months. No one gonna feel sorry for me I don't expect a game ball but if your gender studies degree didn't get you a quarter million dollar salary well I shouldn't be the one to fund your loan sorry I have no sympathy whatsoever and if that makes me a bad person so be it
2: here's what's disappointing Steve and I'll let you go on this note or if you respond to this sports used to be a leader a positive yes. leader in American culture. and But now it's more of a reflection of American yeah. culture. And so we, we're building in safety nets for irresponsible behavior. Transfer portal, prime example. Yeah. Things aren't going well at Miami, Ball State, yeah. wherever. Hop in that transfer portal and go someplace else as soon as you can. There is no, and again, well, you know, those scholarships are year to year and the coaches can run you off. Steve, I've been in that situation. The the first two years I was at Ball State, I was a nightmare. I was out of shape. I was a headache for the coaches. They hated me, I hated them. They tried to run me off the team, tried to run me away from from the scholarship. I said, I wouldn't fold because my parents wouldn't let me fold. And, and, you know, things worked out the next two years where I was a very good player for them or a good enough player. Uh, but, but there was no transfer portal. There was no, uh, oh, you can just quit and go some other school. And I'm just sports now, they're not leaders. And so sports aren't going to be a part of any movement of holding players accountable. Sports now think it's their job to coddle the players and the players expect it.
0: You know, it's interesting. Sports used to build character. Now they enable character flaws to a certain degree. And you are right about the transfer portal. And look, players always transferred that's, a, 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 that's just a fact of life. Your best friend or the, the teammate you have great respect for. Jeff George left after one year at Purdue. And he said, this is not for me. But at least back then... There was, no, uh, there, there was a safety net for the schools in a sense that you had to at least sit out one year. Then if you transfer to the same conference, I believe some of them said you got to sit out two years. Now it's become an absolute free-for-all. And it, there is no character building. And you know what's interesting? Miami last week had one of their defensive backs, Marcus Clark. He decided to transfer. He actually started four games, but it looked like he had gotten passed up. I wish the young man... Well, wherever he goes, there's no ill will. And it got me thinking about guys like Marcus Maxey, Herbert James and Robert Bailey. Those guys played on some great Miami teams who literally did not play till about their fourth or fifth year in the program. And they developed, they worked hard. They had to fight it out. A couple of them actually played the national football league and had some pretty good runs. But I guarantee you, if you talk to those guys, They would say, you know what, I'm glad I stuck it out at Miami. I'm glad I made lifelong friends. I'm glad I learned some life lessons, and I actually built some characters and some bonds that are going to live forever. I I think that the the problem with the transfer portal is, you're right, it becomes something of a safety net. And I, I I don't know, you could talk all you want about NILs, going to the highest bidder, and I can go to several schools and put my services up for sale. There's something about that college experience that should matter more than just that. And here's the other thing that I don't think people are saying. Okay, guys, most of you are not going to play sports professionally. So you better get something out of the college experience. And Jason, last time I checked, there is still something worthy about a real college degree. That part is still forgotten about way too much in my view.
2: Well. You ended on a note that I'm not sure I 1,000% agree with. I don't know what the value of a college uh, reorientation degree Well, I'm not talking about the gender is. studies or, or
0: the, the race, that <laughs> stuff. I'm talking about a real degree. I'm talking about something that you can actually go into an employer and they find value for. You know what? I, I, I have a theory. I think a reason why some of these people, including me, do not want student debt relief is because I look at what is being churned out. In colleges, people that are now basically going on the soapbox, preaching anti-American and then anti-capitalistic pro-communist messaging. I'm like, that's what you got your degree for. And now you want me to pay off a part of your debt? No. Nah. Now, if you're going in there to be a welder, uh, a scientist, someone that would like uh, cure cancer, you know what? I'd actually have a much different view of this thing in my view, but I know what they're producing in mass. I think that's the most troubling part.
2: Thank you, Cosell. That's the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. Uh, Go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, hit notifications, hit subscribe. Uh, Tell me what you think about my shirt. This collar, I don't know. what. This is one of the few shirts I got that I can actually wear as I continue to try to lose weight. Great workout last night. Great workout this morning. I look pretty good right now, I think. Woo. Tell me what you think. Anyway, Uh, you can email me, fearlessattheblaze.com. Royce White, X.
4: All
2: right, welcome back. Uh, I believe Royce White is still in Georgia, uh, perhaps Atlanta, where they played the Big Ten, Big Three uh, championship on Sunday. That was on CBS. Uh, Royce uh, and the power team, I believe, came up short. Uh, Royce, uh, welcome back to the show. I do want to start there. Uh, and talk about. Uh, I, I saw you throw your mouthpiece into the stands and get a technical foul. Uh, yeah. y- y- you didn't seem real happy on Sunday.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I was upset with the officiating. Um, you know, we uh, we we worked really hard to get to the championship game after a slow start. Um, we had some personnel issues. Catino was hurt early, although he's old, he contributes a lot to the team. Um, you know, because the big three doesn't get the, the credit the credit it deserves, and the, as many eyes aren't on the league uh, as I think there should be, it, it's hard for people to understand the, how small the margin of error is for victory. There were plenty of teams that could have been in the championship. There were plenty of teams that were out of the playoffs by a possession or two. Uh, so that just makes the margin of error very small, and and we had to win like four weekends in a row to even make it to the playoffs. Um, and, and I just didn't agree with the officiating. You know, I thought that, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't called fairly both both ways. And in a game to 50, every possession really counts. So, you know, I, I had enough of it. And I just, you know, I said, hey, if you guys are going to give them the game, then just give them the game. But let's not act like it's a square game. So. So
2: just because, you know, not everybody's familiar with the big three and and, you know, it's, it's like NBA championship. There's so much history to it. But watching that championship on Sunday and seeing your emotion is like, man, these guys take this thing really serious.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the mainstream media, the mainstream establishment is at war with, with Ice Cube um, and his endeavor to make the big three a prominent professional sports league. And you can tell that because let's say a place like Wikipedia doesn't even consider big three professional basketball. Um, and, and not to say that the Wikipedia is the governing, uh, body on, on information or media, but they are, uh, a huge consolidation of, of media and what a lot of people read. And they, they call themselves, um, you know, uh, an aggregate of authoritative sources, but they won't, they won't, they won't admit that the big three is a professional league, although all the guys get paid to play. So, um, you know the the mainstream culture around the big three is that it's some summer league for retired guys that that, that are washed up and can't really play anymore and, and it's just something to tune in and watch for that reason. But but really um, there are a lot of young guys in the league. Myself, you know, I'm, I'm 30. You know, we got guys that are even younger than me, guys that are still in the in the prime of their overseas career. TJ Klein, who's Nancy Lieberman's son, is like 27 years old. He just played in Israel for two years and, and won a, a championship over there. So, you know, guys are still in the prime or in the gist of their athletic career. And, and they take it real serious. It's competitive, as was uh, the case in the championship game. I think Isaiah Briscoe is a, a very talented player. Uh, Earl Clark still has a lot of game left. He probably could still be playing in the league today, to be honest, with, with as versatile and as, as skilled as he is. So, yeah, we take it serious. It's, it's, it's a serious league, and, uh, you know, as was shown by my frustration in the in the end of that game. Uh,
2: I want to uh, switch up and talk about what we're talking about today, Kevin Durant, yeah. uh, and, and what's gone on with him in the Brooklyn Nets because you run in these basketball circles, talk to other basketball players, what is the current perception of Kevin Durant among his peers? What are things that they're saying, perhaps behind the scenes, that they would never say in front of a camera? How does he look, having demanded a trade, and then backing down and now agreeing to stay with Brooklyn? Has Kevin Durant's reputation been damaged this summer?
1: I don't think so, you know, and, and I got to always admit my bias when we talk about uh, other basketball players and athletes because I want the audience to, to understand when I have personal relationships, and you, and you do a good job of that as well. Uh, Kevin Kevin and I know each other. You know, we, we speak um, sometimes, and and that's my guy. So I, so I have a bias, uh, you know, in favor of him. And, and I actually think that out of all the woke athletes – out of all of the people in elite positions, he is somebody that has fought against the status quo. Now, has he done it to the level that I would have liked him to or that I would advise him to personally? No. Uh, has he done it to the level of a Muhammad Ali or Mahmoud Abdul Rauf? No. But he certainly uh, fought the status quo and the establishment much more than many of his fellow athletes. And he's done it much more than most of the fans that have, would have a critique about him would do in their personal lives. And and so, you know, I think for us basketball players who are inside the basketball world and understand the the balance of expectations from the fans, from the organization, from the media, maybe family, so on and so forth, I think most people just got have nothing but respect for Kevin. Um, he's probably the most dangerous offensive player in history, in NBA history, skill-wise, uh, body-wise, um, and and you know, we've we've all participated in turning basketball into being a business more so than a sport. Um, so so the, the the rules have changed in terms of what we should expect from these athletes. You know, we want them to be forthright. We want them to be honorable. We want them to be dedicated and committed to a city or to a community or to uh, their teammates. But yet the organizations, from a business standpoint, undermine that at every turn. And you can't have it both ways. You can't allow the 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 institution to run as a business un, unfettered uh, and then expect the players to be the utmost you know, representation of what you would want an idol or a hero to be, which would be somebody who sacrificed themselves and personal gain for the greater good. It's very hard to ask that. Now, I do think there's a personal responsibility on each athlete to find that in the midst of corrupt institutions. But, but so far as Kevin Durant goes, he's playing the game the way that the the industry has laid it out for him to play. And you can't really fault him for that to a, to a certain degree.
2: I, I, I like The points you made, because I agree with them, that Kevin Durant has, in my view, I don't know him, but it seems he's purposely stayed away from just bowing to the woke social media machine. And, And, again, he doesn't speak out against it, but he doesn't hop on board with it, which is a statement in and of itself. And the fact that he's real, he'll engage with people in a real way. It doesn't. He, he's not. Oh, I'm only going to talk to this person if their platform is so big or if they're well known. He, you know, he'll go back and forth with anybody. I like that authenticity about him. Yeah. I get my disappointment, or the conversation we're having today is is you just got to Brooklyn. Yeah. Covid wiped out. And the NBA's stupid COVID rules wiped out Kyrie Irving's ability to play last year in a real way. And so it just seemed odd to me that he they make the commitment, he accepts the contract, he agrees to a contract, and with four years left on that contract, he wants to push himself out. And I guess my expectations, which you know really don't amount to a hill of beans, but I, I would expect kevin durant to be like i gotta give this at least one full year and maybe this year we can get it right uh rather than hey let me push myself out of this and so i just thought there'd be a bit more personal responsibility from kevin well i
1: mean it's it's a fair ask i I would say that that um and I, and I haven't talked to Kevin about this particularly or even the Nets situation particularly. There was at one time where I had reached out to Kevin and told him, hey, listen, if, if you guys need an extra versatile foreman that's a dog, make sure that you you know put the word in. But but obviously me and a guy like Joseph Sy would probably never see eye to eye and be able to coexist. But um, I, I think that people underestimate Brooklyn's lack of support for Kyrie um, in – in the 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 decision of Kevin Durant or or Kevin Durant's thinking about the organization, although he stayed kind of neutral and wanted to you know not not get too mixed up in that controversy, I think he did. I, I think he's let's say woke enough for lack of really woke, not 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 a uh, you know Hollywood woke, but red pill woke enough to see that the way they treated Kyrie Irving uh, was kind of indicative of the way that the the, the establishment views the players by and large. Um, and and it had a huge uh, effect on Kevin Durant's uh, attitude towards the organization. And, and ultimately, I think, you know, while Joseph Tsai and those guys did say, oh, this is the mayor, Adam Silver, oh, this is the mayor, right? They they, they play the background politics when it's advantageous for him, but they jump out in front and lead the charge when it's advantageous for them too. Uh, and, and people who are smart enough to, to understand that, who are close, they feel that. And I think Kevin Durant felt that. And, and they should have been they sh- they should have been uh, in. An unconditional support of Kyrie Irving publicly, and they didn't do that. If you go back to some of our first episodes together, when I first joined the show, you remember that that Joseph Sy was saying, "There's no, there's no circumstance where we're going to let Kyrie Irving play half of the games." And then as the COVID, you know, uh, ruling or, or things modified and we, we had different developments, they changed it into, OK, we'll let them play away. We don't agree with the rule either. But the first the first ruling from the Brooklyn Nets was we're not going to let a player spend half of the time with the team. That's not acceptable. We expect more from our guys when really they should have been saying, these COVID regulations are absolutely unjust, unconstitutional, and we don't agree with them 100%. And we as a team will boycott will boycott the city of New York, the city of Brooklyn, and and the NBA as a governing body if they don't uh, operate in a more just way around our players. They don't protect the players. And and I'm making that point to circle back to my original point that when push comes to shove as a player, no matter how good you are, no matter how skilled you are, no matter how talented you are, you will find yourself on an island if you rail against the institutions and the teams— will side with the NBA and the larger institution against you when when necessary, when they feel it's, uh, it's it's, in their best interest.
2: Royce, this is why I love to have you on the show because you, you consistently give me a new way to think of things, and you may be actually changing my opinion in real time here. It's almost like you're making me regret that I didn't go here earlier where you've taken me because I think this is gonna have an impact on all of sports this covid vaccine thing when when the reporting comes out about all these vaccinated people and the risks they've taken and the damage that the vaccine potentially has done i think you're going to see a lot of athletes look at these leagues that man they basically mandated that you take these vaccines and they're going to be irate about it and they will have they will justifiably be like, I'm not putting my loyalty in any of these people. They, they told me, convinced me, twisted my arm, told me to take this vaccine. And this data that just keeps leaking out and leaking out and we keep seeing this death rise from young people and all this other stuff, I think is going to create some real animus between athletes and sports leagues. And, and, and you're right. Because I, I did think that in real time, like, hey, man, the, the Nets should be supporting Kyrie Irving. Because that, that, there were rumors like that they could pay the fine and he could have played or whatever, and then people said that wasn't true or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they really didn't offer Kyrie Irving any support. And Kyrie is sitting there today, one of the few professional athletes, he and Aaron Rodgers, that can say, I was dead right. Everybody is now jumping to my conclusion. No one's taking the booster. No, everybody knows they've been scammed. And these leagues that the players all put your trust in, we're family, we got the smartest people, we're billionaires, and we know it. They took the entire league down this woke path and this establishment government path that has put these young dudes' health in jeopardy and I would be mad as hell about it.
1: Well, and it's a microcosm of the of the 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 calamity that's going to eventually happen between the free people and the establishment. In America and, and everywhere in the West or all around the world, um, and and this is why I always say, you know, many many conservative um, grassroots individuals, fans, commentaries all separate the politics from the sports, and that's why I love your show because you you rightfully pick out the the link between the two, and the politics can't be separated from the sports because the politics are never off, and, and sports is is no different. Um, and, and the vaccine was a prime example of that. And a lot of these leagues didn't protect their players. Uh, they, they opted for the establishment, what would be safe, what was the guidance from the, a corrupt CDC or or uh, NIH or the World Health Organization, or really vis-a-vis China, the American security state, whatever you want to say. Um, and, 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 and in that moment, they showed what I think a lot of sports fans in our audience need to understand, while your criticism of athletes may be right, may be, may be uh, well-placed, may be spot on, uh, understand that the athletes are much closer to the free people than they are the establishment. They are the highest-paid slaves, which is why I say a person like LeBron is the highest-paid house Negro, and that doesn't absolve them from selling out and holding their tongue when they should speak the truth. When the establishment threatens to crush them, but but understand that they are under a a, a, a shadow of of establishment tyranny very similar to everyday working class people. Just so happens they get, a, they get paid a lot more um, uh, to bite their tongue and go along to get along. And I think Kevin Durant is somebody who's at least trying to fight back against that. Kyrie Irving obviously is a hero and held the breach, and he, and he should be commended and applauded for that. Uh, I still don't think he's gotten the recognition he deserves in hindsight because the mainstream establishment media doesn't want to admit that they were wrong. I mean, they're just going to keep pushing boosters until, uh, until you know, as many people die as necessary for them to go, wait, you know what? We weren't right about it And then they'll try and make a movie about Kyrie Irving and say, oh, he was right, we were wrong, it was white supremacy, and they'll use it to rope it in and double back down on their corrupt position. It's nuts. It's absolutely outrageous. But um, I-, I want the fans to be much more patient with their athletes, with us athletes, because we, we are in our own civil war in battle with the establishment and it, and it takes on different shapes and forms because of the uniqueness of our position and profession. Uh, but, but there's a stark difference between a LeBron James and a Kevin Durant and people need to acknowledge that and give credit where it's due.
2: You just drove me right into another point. You took the words right out of my head in terms of Kyrie Irving should be on a victory tour right now on every media platform America has. Every media platform should be putting a microphone in his face and saying, Kyrie, go ahead and say I told you so. But they won't do that. The CDC just came out and now you and and YouTube now says you can say that the vaccines don't prevent COVID. You know, they're walking back everything that people were saying in real time and they were running you off platforms. And, and again, I, I just want to be crystal clear here. I love Mike Wilbon. Nothing but good to me. But Mike Wilbon and Stephen A. Smith sitting on TV crucifying Kyrie Irving for not yeah. taking this vaccine. Yeah. And for ESPN right now not to have helicopters and microphones outside Kyrie's house saying, hey man, just come on the show and we're going to let you tell everybody how you were right and we were wrong. And, and, and literally, I, I hope, and we'll cut a clip here. I bet, Kyrie, if no one will give you a platform, I would love to give you a platform to tell all these people you were right, they were wrong. Everybody should be admitting this. This should be one of the biggest stories in sports. Aaron Rodgers should be getting offered this exact same opportunity as these things spill out, and, and now the truth is coming out. Everybody owes Aaron Rodgers an apology. Everybody owes Kyrie an apology. People say, calling them selfish, calling them idiots, call every name in the book. And these guys were right, and that's and people got upset with me, and we can call up the tape. I, t- I told y'all, Kyrie Irving was as close as we've seen to Muhammad Ali in this stance he took, and he was dead right. And I was dead right for calling. And people were, ah, how can you call? I said, because this man stood up against the establishment and said, kiss my ass, and I'm right, you're wrong, you're not gonna inject these drugs into my body, I'm a young person. He was a thousand percent right.
1: I mean, I can even recall Joy Ann Reed on on MSNBC laughing and and basically mocking the idea that that people were likening Kyrie's stance to Muhammad Ali And, and what she doesn't understand about Muhammad Ali or any person who stands against the establishment. It's not that their position is in alignment with the masses. That their position is in alignment with a with a predetermined outline group of, of uh resistors, right? That's the woke left's uh mantra, that's the woke left's identity. We're resisting white supremacy. So now in order to be a Muhammad Ali type figure, you have to be in sync with whatever it is they believe. That's not the Muhammad Ali uh, uh archetype. The Muhammad Ali archetype is taking an unpopular position in a time where it it um it threatens to to harm you the most and and that was ali in the prime of his boxing career and and it was kyrie irving recently in in the prime years of his basketball career uh, and, there, and there are many others aaron rogers as well um, i would like to 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 think that that i i sacrificed a lot at prime years during my career for for a greater cause but but there are people who who deserve that credit and and it's a sign you know take the credit aside it's a sign of how much people should distrust the establishment media and should venture even more so now than ever into uh, uh, platforms like yours, Fearless, Blaze, uh, all kinds of alternative media to find real information because it's it's become blatantly, blatantly obvious that the establishment has a narrative and they're willing to guard that narrative with, with all manners of corruption. Uh,
2: there's rumors. Uh, that you're going to uh, drive through Nashville at some point next week. Is is that true? I'll be
1: there for you next week, man. You know that. I'm coming. Next week, <laughs> yeah. You just picked a day. You going to be here for a day or two? I'm going to be two days straight.
2: Perfect. Love that. Love that. Well, let us know. We'll get you a hotel.
1: We'll get you out to eat. You do eat steak, don't you? Oh, you Oh, you? Now, you know I'm not going vegan. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, okay, good. All right, all right, we're good. All right, look
2: forward to your visit. Thank you, Royce. Uh, Get your Fearless Army swag, shopblazemedia.com. Fearless, oh, shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, Shamika Michelle, thanks. All right, welcome back. Uh, Let's roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle. Uh, Let's cover the Nick Cannon side of the baby boy generation we've been talking about, the ramifications of this matriarchal, irresponsible uh, culture we have. Uh, Shamika, I know you uh, have better sources than I do. How many babies does Nick Cannon have? I can't get to the bottom of this.
4: He has fathered 10. I think two of them have not been born yet, and then one of them died last year, but he has fathered 10 children.
2: And so, okay, so he's got a couple in the oven that contribute to that 10, or are we talking about babies out of the oven?
4: No, they contribute to that 10, but sources say that by the end of the year, this number could hit 12. So there are people that are saying he has other babies on the way, but that hasn't come out yet. So he's supposed to hit 12 by December. We'll see.
2: And so my take is that we're not laughing enough at Nick Cannon. We seem to be laughing with Nick Cannon. Is my read on that right? There's a subtle difference. It's like, We find humor in this rather than laughing at and making this guy a laughing stock and an embarrassment. We're kind of like, he's joking about it. He's good with it. And we just kind of giggle about it. Is my read right?
4: You're absolutely right, Jason. I was having this conversation earlier today with a friend who said he's just pooky with money. If this was any regular person, a regular man that didn't have the ability to write checks as Nick Cannon does, we would be... calling him a deadbeat dad. We would be talking all types of trash about this man because he was just spreading his seed everywhere. And we think that a check is going to solve the issue of him not being around in his kid's life. The, this is just plain common sense, Jason, and I don't know why people don't understand it. If I had these great tomato seeds and I wanted to you know, plant me a tomato tree or a tomato plant, And if I wanted to plant one here at my house and then I planted one two hours down the road or in a couple of other states, I wouldn't be able to watch those plants grow. I wouldn't be able to water them. I wouldn't be able to turn them when they needed a specific amount of sunlight. I wouldn't be able to make sure the soil was, you know, the right the right way in order for them to grow healthy. This is the same thing Nick is doing. He's planting his seeds everywhere, and there's no way that he can actually watch to make sure those seeds are growing into the plants that he wants them to grow into. He's leaving them with gardeners that he has no idea for real their ability. Do they have a green thumb? Will they kill the plants? This is what happens when you just sow your seed everywhere. And so I think for Nick to walk around and be bragging about this and we celebrate him because he has the money to do these fabulous parties and these nice photo shoots that make it look so grand and great. We're wrong for that because this he really is pookie with the check. If this was any other man, we wouldn't be celebrating it at all.
2: Does he have any talent? And again, I'm too old to know. Again, his music, if he made music, his movies he's been in, I don't think they've been movies. Is he a talent? Is he Will Smith? Like, Will Smith was super talented actor, music, you know. Is, is Nick Cannon talented?
4: I think I'm too old to know as well, Jason. <laughs> because... He is younger than I am as well. I do know that he's a very busy person. He has done a lot of shows. He's hosted shows. He has his hands in a lot of things. He has his own entertainment company, and Out seems to be doing very well. And what I'll say is that he's pro-life, so I have to give him an applause for that. He put out a song years ago about abortion that was talking about being pro-life. His father has said he's pro-life, but I just don't agree with him having these children spread all over the place because he himself is spread thin with all the businesses that he's had or that he has. There's no way that he can actually give time to these children. And I want to know what type of women these are, that they are just accepting a check because men provide more than that. Provision is not just money. Provision is also providing logic when you can't figure out what to do. Provision is providing safety and direction. And he's not going to be able to do that on a consistent basis with these children. As far as talent, I don't care if he was Michael Jackson. He is doing the wrong thing by spreading his seed everywhere. And I just look at him with the frown upon my face because I think it's disgusting that he would put so many children in this position. I don't care about the check. The check is just that, a a check.
2: My, My question about the talent is related to the opportunities he's being given because in the real workforce, if your credit score is low enough, they can deny you employment based on your credit score. And because and, they can say, well, man, look at this credit score. This person's irresponsible. And, and so I'm like, well, his talent must just be amazing because anybody that would look at his personal life would be like, this dude is really irresponsible why is he getting all these opportunities? Like, with, with some of these athletes that are this irresponsible, it's like, well, they got once-in-a-generation talent. No one else can play cornerback uh, like that or uh, linebacker like that. But th- this stuff that he seems to be doing seems far more subjective. His skills uh, are far more subjective. and seem like anybody can do them. Shamika, I want to pivot and ask you a very personal question, I think I can ask it. Again, it's really not that personal. I'm going to ask you to tell me about just women in general. This is what I don't understand. Given the obvious uh, results of this baby mama culture we have, it seems like women, and particularly black women, we're going to make movies, The Woman King, and black women are the leaders, and they can save us, and they're they're the backbone of the black culture. The greatest thing women, black women could do for the black man is insist on a condom. This would cut out all of this mess if black women just insisted on a condom. I don't know any black men that will, and maybe I just speak for me, a condom not, was not going to be a deterrent for me. Well, <laughs> okay, if, I, if you're going to make me wear a condom, I'll pass. I don't know any men that are like that. So why don't women, or or why can't they insist on a man wearing a condom? Again, I'm not even asking them to take the pill. I'm asking them just to insist, because you can't convince me. I hear men make the argument, and I was childish and used to make that argument, but it's just not true. Oh, it's just not as enjoyable with a condom. For a woman, I just can't imagine it matters. Condom or no condom, I just can't imagine that it matters. Am I asking too much?
4: First, let me say, it does matter, (laughs) still, um, you know, for me, I have an allergy to latex. So you have to find then a condom that doesn't break you out. So that's the personal part to me of this question that I'm answering. Um, But I think women don't have the morals and values that they used to have. One of the things as I was looking up Nick Cannon, his dad told him, don't have sex with a woman that you can't have a baby with. I don't think women always do that. They have sex with men that they know won't be good fathers, and they allow them to have sex unprotected and to create these situations that they know men are not going to be around. I was just having this conversation with a young lady a couple of weeks ago. She is almost in her late 30s, and she was talking about her and her boyfriend having another child. Well, he has a child that is young that he has left to be with her and I asked her, well, do you think that he'll be around for this child? Her response to me was, well, if he doesn't, I already know that I can take care of this child on my own. So, you know, that'll be fine. And I said, it's not about what you're able to do. It's about the child. We have to think about what's best for the children. And I think a lot of women have just tossed morals and values out the door. They don't even consider men to be husband material anymore and I don't understand how is this child good enough for his last name but you feel like you aren't you know I I, and I think some of that is that superior mindset that women have well they feel like they're better than everybody you're too good for this man you don't want to be his wife but you'll let your child you know you'll have this child by him but you're just too good for that situation. Well, what about the child? Is the child worth having somebody in their life that's gonna be there and be consistent and be present? You don't think about that? For for me, I had a child out of wedlock. I was 19 when I got with my oldest daughter's father, but that was a mistake that I learned from and I didn't do it again. Before I had my next children, I was married. You weren't going to have a child with me and not be my husband. And I think that now women don't do that because I felt like if I'm going to have this child by you, if this child is good enough to have your last name, I'm good enough to have your last name. And we're going to do this together. And women just don't do that anymore. They have tossed morals and values to the side. They call themselves savages. They feel like, oh, I can be just like a man and have emotionalist sex but they're kidding themselves. And that's why you see all of these women, they like to be blown out to different uh, states and, you know, just bring me out and have sex and that's it. And it's ridiculous because all you're doing is creating this emotional environment that you cannot thrive in, nor can you raise children in.
2: It's really sad. I, I don't know if there's a, a, a good solution here, if we can walk it back to any sense of normalcy, but the whole messaging that women get from corporate media, talking about black women, is, oh my, you are the greatest thing in the world. You, you did it, girl. And, uh, and, and what I always say, it's like, why is nobody looking at the scoreboard and looking at the results? And, and so we're having all these kids out of wedlock. Uh, we don't believe in the family structure. Look at the results. Our kids aren't closing any kind of educational gap. We're actually falling farther behind. Uh, our kids are locked up. Uh, the fourth leading cause of death for black men is murder the fourth leading cause of death for black men is murder it for, and again i pointed this out i think over social media it doesn't even that doesn't crack the top 10 for white people i'm sure it doesn't crack the top 10 for asians and other groups but for us it's the fourth lead and and so we know who's pulling the trigger it's not them it's us and so all this pride that's being taken in—you're the queen, and y'all's queen, and the woman king, and and y'all the leaders, and you know y'all in control of this culture. Look at the results. Are they looking at the scoreboard? This is like being—who's the team? The Washington Generals. The Washington—that's who we used to play the Harlem Globetrotters, and they never won the game. And it'd be like the Washington Generals beating HS. Look what we did. We got beat by 70 points today. Could have got beat by 72. Hats off to us. That, that's, that's what I, I, I would, but I don't, facts don't seem to matter to us. The results don't seem to matter. It's just how we feel matters most. Right. I'll give you the final thought, and then we'll play tomorrow and get out of here.
4: I would like to also add, Jason, we don't talk enough about toxic femininity. Not only does that cover these women that are running around claiming to be savages, women more often than not now are leaving their kids behind. One of the things that I think is affecting Nick Cannon is the fact that his mom was 17 and the dad says that at two months she left Nick with him and his father because she still wanted to live her life. And a woman is supposed to be the first example to her son of how a woman should love and how a woman should be. So for a very long time, she was just the incubator for Nick. So I think that when men have have a a terrible relationship with their mom, it's very hard for them to have a great relationship with other women. His mama was an incubator. So now he has all of these other women that are just incubators. And because, you know, he does have a sickness, he's just trying to, to live life out through his kids. But I think we don't talk about the toxic femininity that's taking place right now. Women don't even wanna be mothers. You know, we're used to hearing Papa was a Rolling Stone, but now we have so many women that are Rolling Stones that'll just have children, drop them off with grandma. They're not around, they're not there to set that example to a a little boy of what a woman should be. And so not only do we have these fathers that are not around, out, not setting an example to little girls we have these mothers who are not setting examples either they're not around or when they are they're being such a poor representation of what a woman is that men don't want that they don't like that and they don't learn how to love because of the, the women that are being presented to them
2: thank you Shamika. great job as always we'll see you tomorrow
4: i out, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came in like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all receiving, we all want to be free, we want freedom.